Today's reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 to 25. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did in Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all the enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of stipulations and decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as in the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. This is the end of the reading. Uh, So I want to tell you about my high school baseball career. Um, Third string is a a good way to describe it. But um, I had a a, uh, coach in high school that would um, uh, give us pep talks every time, right? He would do it before the games, before practices, after practices, and they were like, not like one or two minute long, they were like 15 to 20 minute, like sermons, right? Um, And we really hated him at first, but as we got going, we liked him a lot more because he had, he had some great advice on how to be a man, how to, how to just live life, just uh, priorities in life. Like he had this great thing and I was really surprised he said this at a public school, but he said, hey guys, uh, baseball comes fourth on your list. And we were like, what? Like he was always so much about, hey, baseball, baseball, baseball. But he said, no, baseball comes fourth. It goes God, your family, um, school, and then sports, then baseball. And I was like, wow. And that really helped us kind of put things in perspective. But we always looked forward to his pep talks. Um, but speaking of pep talks, I want to show you the worst pep talk of all time that I've ever seen. All right? And it's going to come up on the screen. So check out this horrible pep talk. Our goals are, listen, listen. Our goals are to hit dingers. Everybody better have their eyes on me. Eyes on me, Rylan. Hit dingers. Disgrace the pitcher's family. Make the other families, other players cry and stomp their butts into the ground. Does everyone understand that? Does everybody understand that? Look, fellas, look, look, look. There are two types of people in this world. There's two types of people in this world. There's winners and there's losers. And just so that we're clear, every time we step on this field, 
Our goal is to be a winner. And if your dad has said, oh, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, just as long as you have fun, well, I hate to say it, your dad's a loser. Okay? So let's get, out, let's get our hands in. That team's pretty good, but we are gooder. So let's go gooder on three. Let's go gooder on three. There we go. Hands in. Hands in. Hands in. Come on, talk to your English teacher here. Gooder on three. One, two, three. Gooder! So there you have it, the worst pep talk of all time, right? Uh, now to segue to that, Moses today is going to give us like one of the best pep talks of all time, right? We, we talked about that earlier, some of the great speeches or messages you've heard before in your life. But Moses, the book of Deuteronomy, which is our fifth uh, book of the Torah or the, the uh, Pentateuch, um, is all just one big giant pep talk. That's all it is. And he breaks it up into the past, the present, and the future. So that's going to be our three points today, is, is looking at, at his pep talk through the past, the present, and the future. So just to give you some insight, this is all about Moses. Moses is giving this. He's kind of run through this whole book of the Torah. We call these also the book of, books of Moses. And this is our last one. This is our last one right before he dies. Spoiler alert, we'll get there. But Moses passes away at the end um, and never gets to get to the promised land, right? And so all of this is a pep talk um, for his people, for his Israelite people, before they enter into the promised land, all right? Um, so let's talk about the past. What does he do? First four-ish books of, of Deuteronomy are all about the past. Here's some things he talks about. He recalls the leadership structures and what that looked like. He, he talks about sending the spies to the promised land to check out, to make sure it's the, the right place for them. Um, he talks about the rebellion against God and how the Israelite people had just rebelled over and over and over. Um, but he also talks about wandering the desert for these 40 years and what that's looked like and, and just to recall and remember that. He's talked about how they've won some battles and how they've gained some land. Um, but most importantly, he's talked about God's faithfulness through this whole process, right? Think about how he's delivered them from the Egyptians, and they've crossed the Red Sea, and they've wandered in this desert, and they've gone without food, but God's provided the manna and the, the water for them and, as they wander this desert. Um, and he's finally um, giving them what he promised, the promised land, as they cross the Jordan River. Um, so, but before that, they, they get this. They uh, get this little pep talk. And I, w I wonder about your own life, about maybe if somebody was going to give a pep talk at this current moment of your life, right? Would they focus on your failures? Would they focus on the ways you've messed up? Um, possibly. And this is what Moses is doing. He's, he's like saying, you guys have messed it up. You guys have, have just, oh, have not listened to God. You've rebelled, all of these things. But then he says, but God has been faithful through this whole process, right? And he helps them recall that throughout all the mess, throughout all the rebellion, that God is faithful. And I would hope if somebody gave us a pep talk, they would also remind us. And I want you to just think about your own life, like some of the ways that, that maybe you've messed up or things have gone wrong where you think, man, at that time, I just couldn't see God in that moment. But now as you look back, you're like, yeah, I see the hand of God throughout all the ups and downs of my life, right? And he has brought me to this place, and it's good, right? It's good. And so that's what Moses is doing in these first couple chapters here, all right? The past. But let's get to the present. The present here is a, 
uh, he's, he's, he's really talking about all these different laws, right? And he's giving them all the laws, and he says, listen and obey. That's his big, like, thing. Listen and obey, because guess what? The people have not listened, and they have not obeyed, right? They've done their own thing. And so you'll hear all the time, hear or listen, right? Here's one of the verses that he gives or, um, in Deuteronomy 4. He says this, Now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land of the Lord. The God of your ancestors has given you. Do not add what I command, um, command of you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord that your God that I give you, right? And this is really what this whole book is about. Um, Deuteronomy is a big fancy word, right? I, I used to love it as a kid because I'm like, I used to say Deuteronomy, right? You know, um, and it was just a fun word to say. But it literally means two words, do it, right, two, second, um, and nomos, nominee, is uh, the word for law. Like, think about um, astronomy uh, is the law of the stars. Taxonomy is like the law of classification of animals and that kind of thing, right? Um, a fancy word is antinomianism that we'll talk about, but uh, it literally means anti-law, anti-law. And we'll get there in a second. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But, but Deuteronomy literally means the second law. Um, the Ten Commandments have broken. All the people had forgotten them because you have a whole generation that has died off now um, as they're wandering in the desert. And so the younger people there um, need to know what's going on, right? And the, the parents and the grandparents had not done a great job passing the faith on to their kids. And so Moses is like, oh, here we go. i got to remind you all over again. And this was this whole book is about, again, a pep talk of, of what is it that we need to know to be God's people, right? And so... Um, uh, he, he goes on and, and says this. He gives, gets the Ten Commandments again. So the ten, ten Commandments, trivia question, if you ever are asked this, how many times do the Ten Commandments show up in the, the Bible? Twice, right? Um, in Exodus, the first time, and then Deuteronomy, the second time. Uh, but in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, he says this. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and your children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give to you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Um, it's really all about passing on the faith. They had not done a good job. What I love about Acts is we have so many kids here, and you guys are doing a great job passing on the faith, right? Passing on the faith, making this a priority for your kids to learn about Jesus, to learn about what, what God um, has for them, and, and do that. And so... Um, so that's all what it's all about. And a couple verses later um, comes the great Shema. A good Jew would know this, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, impress these commands I have for you. Um, talk about them when you get up and when you lie down, when you're walking on the road. Um, tie them to your foreheads and to your wrists, all these different things. He wants the people to remember, to remember the laws, right? And that's uh, what this whole second present part is all about, right? How do we, as a people, pass on the faith to the next generation and after that and after that, right? Um, and so that's so important in today's society, right? So important um, as we go into more of an anti-post-Christian culture, um, the importance of passing on that faith is huge. And so um, here's some of the topics, though, that are covered that also really apply to us um, in these next couple chapters. Um, having only one God, right? The first commandment. Because they're about to go cross over the Jordan in the promised land 
And there's other cultures there, right? And they are worshiping other gods. They have um, just a very polytheistic culture there. And um, he said, you're going to be tempted to worship uh, the Canaanite god or the, the Moabite god, whatever it might be. Don't do it. Worship one god, right? And we know throughout um, all of the, the uh, New Testament later on, they don't listen, right? They, they choose to do their own thing, choose to go to idolatry, those kinds of things. Um, so we've got all that going on. Um, we have that in our culture today too, right? We have people that, that we worship money, we worship our jobs, we worship our culture and our idols, and, and it becomes a, you know, we, we forget our faith and we, we go towards those. And he's saying, don't forget, don't forget. He gives the Ten Commandments and basic laws there. He gives social justice laws and how to, how to take care of the poor and what to do with the widows and the orphans. Um, he, he gives laws on freeing servants and what that looks like in, in um, the year of Jubilee and how to forgive debts, uh, worship laws, how to worship God and interact with, with God and, and come to worship, uh, leadership structures, how to tithe and give back to God, uh, laws on marriage and who you can marry and not marry. Because back then they had nothing written, written down, so they were marrying everybody, their cousins, their daughters, their grandmas, and it was just, it was a weird time, right? So they needed something written down at that time. Um, how to go to war and battle and how to do that rightly, what to eat, what's clean, what's unclean. So again, Moses is giving this second law to all the people so that they can um, know how to best follow their God, right? And, and not fall away. Now, you might be thinking, whew, that's a lot of law. If you read through the book of De Deuteronomy, it's just law after law after law. Um, and when we get so much law, uh, we have a term called legalism, right? Legalism. Um, I'll describe it like this. Maybe you grew up in a, a faith or a household where it was just law, 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 and there wasn't a lot of love or grace, and you just had to do all these things. And, and usually when that happens, we, we tend to rebel, right? We tend to rebel. Um, on the flip side is the opposite of that, and it's this word that I talked about before, antinomianism, against the law. And this is what we call cheap grace. Uh, antinomianism basically is saying... Um, that we don't need law, we just need Jesus' love, right? And we see this sometime in our culture, you know, today of, well, Jesus loves us no matter what I do. He doesn't really care, you know, whatever. I can do whatever I want, and he'll still love me. It, and while that's true, um, it, it goes against what God has for us, right? Uh, and, and so we, we don't want to be legalists, and we don't want to be antinomianists, so we have to find a balance in there, right? And I think that's really what God is all about, right, is finding that balance between law and gospel in our lives, right? How do we live um, to, to awe and revere God and what he has for us? Because again, uh, he promises long life and, and it's the best way of living through following his law, but then also to know that when we do mess up, we have grace, right? We have grace to to come back and say, yeah, I've, I've messed it up, and to, to come back in the family and, and feel that love and, and be part of that. Um, so my question for you is, like, where, maybe as you grew up, where did you experience that? Did you have an antinomianism, just do whatever you want, right? It's kind of like the, the parents that say, you know, you can eat whatever you want, you can watch whatever you want, you can, I just want to be the cool parent, right? Um, and while that might be good for a little bit, you're going to have spoiled brats, right? Uh, or the opposite side where you have the, the legalist, you know, law, 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 law. And while they might obey for a little bit, they're going to rebel later on, right? So it's finding that, that authoritarian um, balance in the middle, right, is what Jesus is, is calling us to. So, again, law. But here's the thing. I love this. So when Jesus is te uh, tested later on, um, they ask him, Jesus, what is the 
most important law um, that God gives us. And he stops and thinks, and they're, you know, the Pharisees are just sitting on the edge of their seats. They're like, okay, here it comes. We're going we're gonna to pound him because whatever he says, we are going to get him and say, no, 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 no. You've got to consider all the laws. They're all important. But Jesus says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, which is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, the great Shema there. And uh, the Pharisees go, hmm, actually, yeah, he's kind of right, yeah. And then he says, and the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And what I love about this is both of those, the common word in there is love. You know, love God, love others. And he takes all 600 commands that are listed in in this book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament um, and says it's all about really two. Love God, love others. And how do we do that? Uh, Not because Moses gives a long list and says love, 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 love. No, we, we do that because we have first been loved, right? Because Jesus gave his life for us we now have his love, and we're able to then love God and love others. Love God and love others. Which brings me to our last part. So we've got um, the past, we've got the present, and now Moses starts to transition to the future. All right? He's saying, all right, you know what God has done in your past. You know what you have done. You know what he expects of you now and how he, he loves you still now. But what about your future? Now, here's the, here's the fascinating thing. Uh, the, the first kind of thing he gives them, he gives choices to the people. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. Check this out. This comes from uh, chapter 30, verses 19 through 20. It says this. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and so that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's basically saying, hey, in your future, you have a choice. Choose life, choose death, right? Obey, don't obey. Um, Choose what you want to do. Um, Choose blessing or choose curse, right? And obviously you'd be like, well, I want to choose life. I want to choose blessing. I want to choose the, the good stuff, right? But they don't. And Moses tells them up front. He says, guys... You have that choice, but I know what you're going to choose. You guys, you guys haven't followed me very well for the last 40 years. You're not going to do this very well later on. And, um, and the other thing we might be thinking, too, is like, well, how does that apply to me? Like, is God going to curse me if I don't follow him? Is he going to strike me down dead if I don't follow him? And I think this is a fear of people in our society, in our world. Like, they're like, I'm not following a God that's going to do that, right? If I do something wrong, he's going to strike me down with lightning, right? And what I say to that is it might have been true at this point, pre-Jesus, right? But we know because of Jesus, he took on blessings and curses. He, he was the curse for us on the cross so that we could be blessed through him. And, and this theology from the Old Testament, when, when uh, Moses is living, um, if we apply that today, it's a very dangerous theology. Um, it's a theology called the theology of glory. Um, uh, it's a theology that says, if I do this, then God will do this, right? Um, and why it's dangerous is because I was watching TV a couple weeks ago and flipping through on a Sunday morning, and I saw a pastor on TV, I'm not going to mention names, but um, he was from Houston, and he, he said, uh, uh, you know, one time I prayed for a pool, and I wanted a pool really bad, and, and God really felt like I needed a pool, and so I prayed for it, and the money came, and I was able to have a pool. And I'm sitting there going, 
oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. That's, that. Because here's the thing is if I don't get that money, if I don't end up getting my pool, then I'm like, well, then did I pray hard enough? Did I have enough faith? Um, and that's what this theology of glory, why it's so dangerous, right? Um, because it's all dependent on me and not on God, right? Um, and so in contrast to that, what we have um, and what we believe through this is a theology of the cross because we have Jesus in our life. And the theology of the cross basically says this, that because Jesus suffered, um, we too will suffer. Because Jesus lives, we too will live, right? And so we know that when we go through hard times in our life, when we don't get that pool in our life or, or somebody close to us dies or um, we lose a job or whatever that might be, that sometimes it's, it's tough. But we know because Jesus has died that we too, uh, that he walks with us, right? He too suffered as we suffer, and he, he's with us. And so it, basically that theology of the, of the cross says that no matter what happens in our world, that Jesus is always with us, even in the bad, and especially also in the good, right? Um, and so that's something to remember as we talk about blessings and curses here in, in Deuteronomy, a um, little bit different. So what's going on? Uh, they choose not to, to, to follow God's way. We know this, um, but God still remains with them. He's still faithful to them. Uh, it reminds us in our culture. There's this new thing in the last year or two called the cancel culture. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. This drives me nuts. Um, I just actually read a thing yesterday or the day before, but some guy from the Olympics, you know, um, got fired from the committee because of a tweet or something he posted 20 years ago. I'm like, man, if you guys saw my history 20 years ago, you'd be like, that guy's not worthy to be up here. And I'd say, absolutely, none of us are, right? Um, and that's the beautiful thing about Christianity and, and Jesus is that uh, there is no cancel culture because Jesus says, whatever you've done in your past, you can still be transformed, you can be changed, you can be forgiven. And, and that's the beauty. That's, that's the hope that the church has in our culture right now is that to say, hey, we offer you a different way. We, while the world rejects you, the church embraces you because we know we've all been there. We're all sinners. We're all broken people. Um, but we know a better way, a Jesus who, who loves us and forgives us. And so, um, so as we think about that, God shows this to his people, right? Shows this to his people in Deuteronomy, even though he knows they will rebel um, afterward, all throughout. Um, and that's why he eventually sends us Jesus. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, to close it up, here's what happens. Um, uh, he blesses Joshua, who's going to take over for him, all right? Moses is about to die, and Moses doesn't get to go to the promised land, all right? I kind of mentioned that, but um, the reason why, God says, is because he didn't have enough faith at that time. Um, there was a time when they were really thirsty, and so he pounded his staff on the rock, and the water came out, and God was like, Moses, I was going to take care of that for you. Um, it, you, didn't, you didn't trust me to take care of your needs. And so he says, but Moses, because of that, I'm not going to allow you to go to the promised land. Now think of that. It sounds like kind of a sad story that Moses doesn't get to see the fruits of his labor after wandering for these 40 years. Um, but I think there's also something very beautiful in this, right? Because here's what happens. Moses dies, and the book of Deuteronomy ends. You're like, man, the Torah, the Pentateuch ends on a really depressing way, right? Your hero kind of dies, and then it's over. But I want to think of it this way, is that um, even though he doesn't get to see the fruits of, of his leadership, um, it, 
teaches us, I think, of some leadership that, that God has in our life that sometimes transitions are hard, but God has a good transition for us. Because I think if Moses would have gone over, they probably would have followed him and would have totally forgotten the younger guy, Joshua, right, and would have not followed him. So for that natural transition, God had a great plan in mind, right, by saying, Moses, I love you, but you're going to die here. And so Moses climbs up on a mountain. He passes away. Joshua takes over. Before that, uh, Moses blesses him. He sings a song over all the people. There's a whole chapter where it's just Moses' song. He dies. And then the end. But if you keep reading your Bible, which I hope you do after this series, right, is you read the book of Joshua. Joshua 1 right away says, they crossed over into the Jordan, into the promised land. And you get that beautiful uh, resolution there. And that's so cool. But, um, but as we think about our story and the future, I think our story is very much like the Israelite people of that time, right? Um, our leader at, has died, right? Jesus has died. We're like the disciples. We have no hope. But he comes back. He says, I've got something better for you. He gives us the spirit. He, he, he comes back to life. He leads us. He lives within us. And he says, one day, I'm going to lead you to the promised land. And he does. And we are getting ready for that, right? We are living in a time, a now, not yet time right now, where, yes, we are able to, to live in God's goodness and he has life abundant. But the promised land is coming. And like the Israelites at that time, we one day will cross over because of what Jesus has done for us. And that's a beautiful picture of how we are very much like the people back then. And so um, that he is in our future. He's in our present. He's in our past. And so I want you to just think about how you see the fingerprints of God in your past, in your present, and your future, just like the Israelite people of that time. So my question just to end with is, what is God saying to you in Moses' pep talk? Um, hopefully it's more than what you saw in that, that baseball video there. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we are able to see God's faithfulness in our past. Hopefully we're able to, to take his commands that he gives us and, and live them and hear them and obey them. And then also to hope for a future, that promised land that is to come, to know that Jesus has won the victory, that he loves us, and that he's always with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are God of our past, our present, and our future. And we thank you for Moses and just such a, um, a faithful servant that was able to um, live at a time when, when it was tough, when people were trying to figure things out, and, and that he led his people um, to that promised land, and that you also lead us to the promised land. Uh, we thank you that you love us, that you, um, that you care for us, that you, you give us a better way um, in our world. So, Lord, help us to, to live that, embrace that, and to share that good news with other people. Um, we pray this all in Jesus' powerful and wonderful name. Amen.